Welcome to the Vibe Lifter podcast. I'm Tish, one of the Reglan Food co-founders, and I'm here to help lift your vibe with inspiring stories from people out in their local communities doing good mahi. So settle in and let's meet our guest of the day. Today we're chatting with Crystal Van Haute, a Raglan-based conservationist and field biologist doing wonderful mahi with the Kadio Project. Kia ora, Crystal. Kia ora. Thanks for taking time out from your busy world to come and hang with me today. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's lovely to have you at the factory. So tell me a bit about how you got into the conservation field. I know you're originally from the Netherlands and have worked as an ecologist in Samoa and Kenya. How did you end up here in Rex? Well, the first question, how, how did I end up kind of as a conservationist and ecologist is I think it was just in me. Mm. It was like, oh, I think I was born to be an ecologist. And of course, you don't realise this at the time, but I think the penny really dropped for me when I was working at NIWA in Hamilton, so it's National Institute of Water and Atmosphere. And I trained as a marine and freshwater ecologist, and I was collecting samples in the mud. Actually, it was probably even before that because I was doing that for my master's as well because I wow. did estuarine ecology. And there was a lot of mud and a lot of digging and walking through mud. And then one day I just kind of went, you know, this is pretty much how I liked spending my childhood. <laughs> like hanging and, out you know, in the mud. Yeah, hanging out in the mud, playing with crabs, collecting things and just being really captivated by nature. Yeah, and, that's beautiful. Yeah, and so I think I just kind of followed my heart. I was really passionate about animals as well. I used to bring every stray home mm. and we had a lot of pets at home, even though we lived in South Auckland on quarter of an acre okay, section. So packing them into a small space. Yeah. And so I did a little bit of agriculture and I was a farmer for a while. Oh. Um, but then I kind of realised that I really wanted to protect nature. Yeah. And I just loved water. Uh, I was always seeking out watery environments. I ended up doing marine and freshwater ecology for my postgrad studies. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like that's right where you're supposed to be then. Yeah, that's right. And I think kind of hand in hand with that comes the, like I visited Raglan when I was about 16 and got fascinated with surfing pretty much because I was always in the water kind of playing around and swimming around and going past the breakers until one day um, a friend of mine just gave me a surfboard and said, hey, you should try this and she's swimming around here anyway. And so I visited Raglan and I thought that was pretty cool. And so when I was a student at Waikato, I came out to Raglan and, you know, came and... Caught some waves. Caught some waves, yeah, quite badly. I've but, seen photos you know. of you and you look pretty good surfing. Um, <laughs> no, not that good at all. <laughs> but, oh. but um, I mean, I love it. I just love being in the water. And so Raglan drew me, you know, I mean, if you're in Hamilton, where else can you go? Mm, this is the place. Yeah. So we came out here as students and I just never stopped coming out here and ended up buying a little place at Tuyuku initially and um I was a clubby for a while like a you know surf lifesaving kind of lifeguard oh wow I didn't realize you did that yeah so did a few things like that and just kind of dabbled in community stuff and it was when Raglan was still really quiet and Mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot of tourists and so it was very local and yeah I just loved it I loved it you know just a tiny little village on the coast just really captivated me it's pretty special Mm. it's a special place yeah so since you've been here I know the the Cadio project has ended up being a big part of your life what are the main projects you're working on within the Cadio project and possibly outside of it as well 
Well, I guess, yeah, a big part of um, what I love doing is dreaming up new things to do. So the project, you know, has grown a lot over the years and we started small and you never kind of think, oh, I'm going to start a big project. You just think of that next step. So at the moment, you know, we're working across several thousands of hectares and we have this vision of a landscape scale project where we're looking harbour to harbour, like Whangaroa Harbour to Aotea Harbour and everything in between and supporting both local landowners and local people to do their own predator control, but then we also have our network of predator control and just bringing, you know, a flourishing bird life and seabirds Mm. back to our coastline. And I guess maybe a little glimpse of what, you know, things used to be be and hopefully in 50 years' time might be again. Yeah, well, that's the vision, right? Mm, It would be pretty cool to achieve. I was um, just chatting to someone yesterday at a conference and they were saying that Taranaki Maunga has just been granted personhood. Oh, wow. So it's um, the third in New Zealand to have that status. Oh, there's the Uruweras, Whanganui River and now Taranaki Maunga. Yeah, that's and awesome. And it made me think, oh, that could be Kereo one day. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's a good first step. Interesting that you mention that because I just paddled the Whanganui not so long ago, a few months ago, and it's great to kind of see that progress happening and that, that thinking of seeing, you know, the water is us, we are the water, and we're so connected, interconnected with nature and we're part of it. And I think we're doing a great job getting into some of that thinking. However, when I was paddling on the Whanganui, I just really struck me how Mm. much we still had to do. There's Um, a long way to go. There's a long way to go, yeah. So it's exciting but also quite daunting sometimes, like how much work there is still to do. Yeah. Talk to us about oi birds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What makes them so special and why has their future become so at risk? So I actually had not heard of the oi bird until, you know, talking with you and Bexy and others involved in the Kateo project. So I'm sure people would be interested to learn, yeah, what they are. Tell us a bit about them. Yeah, so, well, the oi, um, it's the Maori name for grey-faced petrel. So it's part of the petrel family or seabird family. The other name for them is the mutton bird or the northern oh, mutton, bird. mutton bird. So it was used to be harvested or actually still is in some places. And so, yeah, it's quite a well-known bird as a seabird just because it has been harvested. But, yeah, so we've got a remnant population here on our coast that wasn't doing very well at mm. all, but they're slowly coming back. Wow. That was cool. And I've seen the little chicks, well, photos of them anyway, and they're very cute and fluffy. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, very cute and fluffy, especially at the start. And yes. Then, and then their beak grows and they become quite ferocious right. if you try and grab them. <laughs> but I did um, have had a little glimpse in one of our burrows yesterday and saw one of the first ones that's hatched. Oh. So they're just tiny, like the size of your palm. Wow. Yeah, so cute. And they've just got the tiniest little beak. And they just sit in their burrow. They're completely unprotected because mm. the parents go out to sea. So a little kind of detail too is that seabirds feed at sea. They only come to land to breed. Right. Um, so they lay this egg, they have shared care. So the parents, you know, you need a mum and a dad. Very democratic. To raise, yep. Raise a chick. And um, if one parent doesn't return, then often they abandon the nest um, because the adults, you know, strive to survive first. Mm. And the nest comes second. Um, oh. And then also there has to be plenty of food out at sea for them to bring back to their chick because they have to both feed themselves as well as the chick. So this chick's vulnerable 
just you know because of it's the lifestyle it leads yeah <laughs> and it's solitary in that burrow and we get a heck of a lot of predators around those burrows and that's Coming why they're so incredibly them. vulnerable wow yeah, yeah it makes sense there's literally nothing there to defend them no no so that's definitely where you guys not. come in yeah mm. yeah and so what excites you about the work that you do I mean there's a clear love of nature so that's a big part of it and I imagine it's also quite satisfying seeing something like the oi bird starting to thrive where it wasn't before. Yeah, I think a big kind of inspiration for me is connecting people to nature and then inspiring them to care as well. I've really got to the point where I've kind of been part of this project for nearly 15 years and before that obviously had a career as an ecologist and you see the environments that you work in, you see the challenges and more than anything now, I think this has to be something that we're all a part of, that we all get. You don't have to be an ecologist, you can be an electrician or a mechanic or a teacher, whatever it is that your background is or your job, caring for nature is something that has to be integral to what we all do. And then we can really make a difference. And I think like that really drives me now yeah. as, as an individual we can only do so much but together we really make a difference and I think you know those single acts those single decisions that you make every day to make a difference to do things better is what I really want to inspire people to get to that place yeah yeah and then just being out in nature obviously that's my place where I come back and find inspiration and nourishment and Mm. uh, being among the trees or being in the water, being in the waves and, you know, all those things are inspiring places and I just love nature Mm. for itself. It comes through so clearly. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) um, but yeah, I think that kind of understanding of that people are part of these ecosystems and, you know, but we're also charged to take care of them. Yes. And so, yeah, I think the next kind of 10 to 15 years are going to be really important for us to kind of get our heads around that and to really seek ways of doing things differently. Mm. And I think for us and the project, it's the same. Um, We've got some challenges ahead. Predator control isn't sexy. It's not. No, it's, it's hard actually work, not, isn't it? Yeah, and it's actually not what any of us really set out to do because right. we, you know, you come with a heart and passion for nature and wanting to restore it. But we in New Zealand, we're in this unique position of actually having to to kill things, and kill and yeah, deal yeah. with bodies yeah. of possums and rats and yeah. stoats and mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So those moments like yesterday, where I get to get a glimpse in the burrow and see this little oi chick and just see flourishing bird life and mm. forests everywhere um, because of the work that's been done by this community is really my inspiration. That's amazing because we are spending a lot of time indoors, aren't we, mm. as a human race? I think Even I do more than sometimes I wish. Mm, but probably not as much as the average person, you know, mm. us kind of laptop workers, we are, we are on computers the bulk of the day. Yeah. Do you feel like we're we're missing out on a sort of fundamental part of being human by doing that, by spending so much time indoors? I understand why we got here and uh, why for some people it's a lot less important to even, they might not even feel so drawn to nature like the way I might be or others might be. But, yeah, I think, I mean, you can see it even with cities having big parks and people seeking out nature to restore and heal 
And we see it in the kids in our education program as they, they come all hyped up and we take them out into the bush. And, and it calms them. Calms them down. Mm. And, you know, it just, yeah, I think it brings out something different in all of us. And so I think even if you're not a nature or animal lover as such, I think having time outside and um, in whatever sweet spot or your favourite spot that, you know, even just sitting outside your house or by a tree or in a park on a park bench, I think there's something really healing about that. Mm, and um, I agree. A, yeah, time to contemplate life and to just come back to yourself. Mm. And and I think especially just when you are in open spaces and wilderness, there's that real sense of like how big the world is beyond. Yeah, so much bigger than just you, right, yeah. and your little yeah. kind of box of, of yeah. the earth. Yeah, so I think for our own kind of mental health and there's probably so many layers to it that we're not even aware of, but I think there's, yeah, there's a real need in us to be connected to nature and see ourselves as part of that ecosystem and that brings healing. Yeah, So true. Mm. What have been some of the wins lately at the Kareo Project? I know you're talking about the, the oi birds hatching, so that's, you know, exciting that they're there and <laughs> they're thriving. But are there any other exciting wins that you've had that you've gone, yes, we're making a difference, something's happening and working? Yeah, I think the most exciting thing about hanging in for the long haul and being here for 15 years yeah, for impressive. a project. You're always dreaming and imagining the difference you might make and hoping that, you know, what you tell people you're going to do, set out to do, and even funders is will actually happen. But we're in there for the long game, like conservation's not um, a Doesn't quick fix. Doesn't happen overnight. And neither is education, like environmental education for us has been a big part of the project right from the start. And again, like just connecting young people to nature and building resilience, but also love just for protecting their local environment and and perhaps finding careers around that um, that passion. And so for us, it's been a big thing about getting some of those students into employment opportunities. Mm. So we've had about five or six students. I think I was trying to, sorry, I can't remember to see the five or six, but uh, that have come to work with us got work experience. Some of them worked with us for several years and then have gone on to do other things. And I think through our program, we've also inspired people, you know, young people to go and study ecology That's or so cool. something to do with that. And at the moment, we've got a young guy, Lenny, and he's working for us and he's studying full-time as well. And it's just so awesome, like seeing young people come through our programs yeah. and then, you know, finding a place either with us or with other organisations and that's definitely been something that you can only see if you're here long enough because obviously some of these kids were with us when they were like seven. Yeah, so small. Yeah, and, and now they're studying or working with us and, and, and it's just so awesome to see. And probably the other thing is like when we get a, a big funding hall and we can expand and intensify what we're doing and um, revision kind of, you know, like a, a big load of funding just – allows us to do more mm. and although you don't want to make it about the money it's the money kind is what needed. <laughs> yeah. makes the world go around and um yeah so we've just had a big grant from lotteries oh, and a well few done. few other organizations as well 
And we also get donations from generous families in this community and that makes such a difference. Yeah, you've got a lot of local support. Yeah. And I think it's because of what you're talking about. There's that long game. People have seen that it's here, you know, it's here to stay, it's doing things, you get updates and we see things on the notice board and there was that amazing feature that you guys had from Patagonia in that um, documentary film um, for anyone who hasn't seen that. What's the link that people can find that on? Um, it's on the front page of our website. Oh, so perfect. if you just go Karyo Film, you'll find it. Yeah, because that was yeah. really beautiful. And, you know, just to see that and sort of see it with your own eyes, what, what you guys are doing out there as well. Yeah, telling our story has been an important lesson for us. Is mm. um, You can't leave people guessing about what you're doing. And it's... Yeah, it's not always easy because you feel like you're kind of blowing your own trumpet. Well, um, it's, a, it's a good trumpet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like you're doing it for, for nature, not yeah. for yourselves. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. So it's really nice to share that story. And people do come up and say, hey, because of that, I'm doing this now. Or hopefully a film like that, it's inspired other communities to get on board and do their thing in their mm. local context. Yeah, so it was really nice to do that film with Patagonia and just so lucky that, you know, they completely funded that whole yeah, thing. Amazing. So, amazing yeah, amazing. Amazing coverage. Yeah, really cool. And I know your um, your daughter is definitely a budding wee conservationist, yeah. <laughs> isn't she? Yep. You've, taught, you've taught her all the ropes. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of happened really naturally, but it's funny because I think she was about three or four months and we were already on the top of Karioi together. Wow, that and, young. Um, yeah. Yep, start them young. Yeah, and she just came along with me just because, you know, That's I wanted to doing. keep working and, yeah, so she'd come in the backpack and came on our education programs and, you know, she has her moments where she's like, no, I don't want to do that anymore, like I want to do something else. But, yeah, we just had a bit of a trip away connecting with family overseas and friends and pretty much a theme of our trip was animals. Of finding them in yeah. different places. Just, and yeah, and just like, you know, she just loves all that, like chickens and rabbits and we were riding horses and, yeah. you know, just every week and sometimes nearly every day we we're like doing something with animals or going to see animals and, yeah, she's just got that real heart for nature and, yeah. yeah um, How old is she now? She's nine and a half. Wow. You mentioned the Patagonia documentary. Are there any any books or other films or podcasts or anything that you find quite inspiring with the work that you're doing that other people might want to check out? Yes, Fight for the Wild. I was Fight like, for the Wild? Yes, I was oh, having a think okay. about that, like kind of what would be cool for people to see. And that's a really cool doco um, New Zealand made oh. about the current state of New Zealand's environment and Ooh, I haven't seen what's that happening. One. Yeah. I'll look at so that, that one myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a really nice one. And where do you um, find it? Is it just you can just Google it. I th- yeah. Mm-hmm. So um it'll it's online, free online to watch. Oh, I think it's a series. I can't remember how many episodes, but yeah, it's really cool. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. I will check that out. Yeah. And do you have a favorite animal or bird? It might be a bit hard for you to pick one. Oh, <laughs> it sounds I know. like you love so many. But. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's definitely been the challenge. But I think the two that stand out for me, can I choose two? Yeah, go for yeah. two. I mean, obviously I really love seabirds. Yes. Um, but deep down I was a bit more of a mammal person than the oh. you know, back in the day. Um, but in New Zealand that 
you know, means different things. Mm -hmm. But the two things that have really inspired me and probably brought me to tears is like when I'm out in a boat or something and I see dolphins. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, just amazing. And so that's my water animal. And my land animal is um, elephants. Oh. Yeah, just just been, I spent some time in in Kenya. Kenya. Yes. So you're working with elephants there? No, I wasn't working with them, but um, because I was doing a marine project there as well. But over there you have buffalo and hippos, hippos in in the water, in the estuary. It's like, it's quite a different context. (laughs) They're huge, right? Yeah. I mean, just seeing a hippo sort of pop up out of nowhere would definitely give you a bit of a shock. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty dangerous too. But yeah, yeah, the first time I saw elephants, it just brought me to tears. Just seeing Mm. them in the wild is just so amazing and they look so wise yeah they might be all the wrinkles but they have this very wise look about them yeah I think for both elephants and dolphins like pretty very wise animals so I Mm. guess maybe that's why I'm drawn to them but they've definitely stood out yeah oh that is cool well thank you crystal Thank you. It's just so, so much. lovely hearing your passion for nature. And, you know, you obviously have this really deep sense of connection to Fenua, land, um, Moana, ocean. It just it just sort of shines through. I know people can only hear your voice, but I can see it in your face as yeah. well as in your voice. And I think that just having someone like that in the community and out there living that and sharing that with people, it really does make a difference. And you are doing so much good with, with the Cateo Project and everything you're doing. So it's a real pleasure to chat with you. listening to the Vibe Lifter podcast. We hope that tuning into this interview has lifted your vibe. Check out raglanfoodco.com to learn more about the people and projects we're stoked to be supporting. that you played